No fish have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Welcome aboard, everybody. Thank you for joining in on Talking Bass in PDX, the bass in warm water forum as we talk fishing in the Northwest. Hi, I'm Don Clark, and I'll be your host. I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to the podcast. This is your forum for bass and warm water fishing. If you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about the podcast. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a review. And if you like the show, make it a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it. On the last show, I had Greg Marshall of Oregon Kayak Bass Fishing with the monthly report. Now, generally, these reports only take us a few minutes, but that report was so full of information that I let it go as a standalone show, and it's been uh, very well received. Well, because the water is warm and the weather is warm, it's August here in the Northwest, it's time to talk walleye. I met Ted Beach about a year ago, and during some of our early talking and and visiting, we started talking about the history of walleye. Now, I did not know how walleye got here to the Northwest, although I had done a little bit of research. And if you do any research, you'll know that it's kind of cloudy. It's it's not well documented. But Ted had a little more information. And as Ted and I talked about the history of walleye, please keep in mind that these are Ted's thoughts because... Ted is talking about both lakes and rivers. Make sure that you are checking the regulations for the water that you'll be fishing, as the catch limits may vary depending on the body of water that you are fishing. And again, keep in mind, these opinions are Ted's, and the um, but the information that I have been able to research seems to follow very closely to what Ted has uh, available to us. In addition, uh, because we didn't get to talk about walleye techniques too much on this particular podcast, if you want to go back and catch some uh, additional fishing techniques, you can check out my interview with Bill Vandehe on episode 24 as he talks about walleye fishing on the Columbia River. Very interesting interview that I had there. Well, as you know, Talking Bass and PDX is sponsored by Peeler Custom Fishing Rods. Let's hear a bit more about Peeler Custom Fishing Rods as we go to page two. The most important equipment you have when you are fishing is your rod and reel. If it's time to replace that old rod or upgrade it, let Peeler Fishing Rods build you the best so that you can catch your personal best. Brandon and his team make the process very easy. Start by visiting their website at peelerfishing.com. Check out the custom bass rods, freshwater rods. PFR can even make that custom salmon and steelhead rod that you're looking for. Next, click on the build form so that you can start building that custom rod. From custom grips, custom guides, and even custom thread wrap colors, don't forget PFR can personalize your new rod with custom decals. As you're looking through the rod collection, don't forget to click on Fish Bum Apparel. They have long sleeve and short sleeve tees, along with great looking hoodies. 
as you're looking through their collection. Don't forget the artwork is great. Don't wait to start building your custom rod today at peelerfishing.com. Do you have an older rod that needs updating? Email Brandon and his team and they'll put new life into that old rod with new custom guides and new decals. And of course, all PFR custom rods come with a lifetime warranty. Best of all, you're buying local right here in Oregon. For all the talking bass and PDX listeners, use code FISH2CATCH at checkout for a 25% discount on your new custom rod. Please visit PeelerFishing.com and tell them that you heard about Peeler Fishing Rods on Talking Bass in PDX. I know Brandon and his team are looking forward to building you that one-of-a-kind custom fishing rod. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, let's get right to Ted's interview and the history of walleye here in the Northwest. Well, Ted, I'd like to welcome you back to the uh, podcast. I think today we have a really interesting topic. It's, uh, you know, summertime. It's mid-August or so. It's hot uh, here in the Northwest. And a lot of folks are out fishing walleye. You and I got talking about the history of walleye, and, and you said that you have a lot of information about it, so I'm going to turn you loose on it. Thanks for having me, Don. I appreciate it. And you are right. It is scorching hot here. It's supposed to be 105 tomorrow in Tri-Cities area. So let's do a little history on the walleye and how they came about into our system, Columbia River. Back in the 1939, after the Cooley Dam was completed, it eradicated all the Andromedas fish from the upper Columbia River. And that was a large amount of fish. And it was also a food source for a lot of the Indian tribes back then. But in uh, 1963, a fishery survey found that native fish such as peamouth, northern pike, minnow, which is a squawfish, suckers, shiners, kokanee, and rainbow trout were the dominant fish that swam in the Columbia River waters of Lake Roosevelt. This was a study on Roosevelt, a variety of non-native fish, and also been introduced many illegally, including carp, yellow perch, smallmouth bass, pumpkin seed, lake whitefish, brook trout, walleye, and bullheads. Now, something interesting was there's been a, numerous studies done on the fisheries of Lake Roosevelt, um, the Columbia River. Um, you can go online and look at a lot of these studies. It's public information. But what I found interesting was they can't seem to come to a conclusion of how the walleye actually got into the system. Some say that the person agency responsible for introducing the species into Washington uh, was the federal government. It may have introduced them in the early 1960s, and that was a gentleman by the name of Detler in 1993 in his study. He he come to the conclusion. But what's more interesting is, and I, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, want to eat crow, they don't want to eat crow or what, the, the government, the fish and game departments don't want to admit it, but the Spokane Tribe of Indians requested and received a plan of about 300,000 walleye in the Spokane Arm. And that was above the Little Dam Falls Dam in 1976. But yet they're blaming the fishermen for bringing walleye in in their live wells and putting them in Lake Roosevelt to start the walleye. 
Um, I mean, that's pretty pretty interesting, and, and that's all documented that those 300,000 walleye were brought in and, and released in the uh, Spokane River above Little Falls Dam. Spokane River flows, you know, Lake Roosevelt flows into the Columbia River. Lake Roosevelt before it was dammed was the Columbia River. So obviously these fish are going to find their way out of that system. And like I say, numerous studies have been done from the late 50s to the late 80s on also the mortality of salmon smoke. One study I found interesting was done in 1983-1986. This was completed on the John Day Reservoir Pool, which is above uh, Bonneville to McNary Dam. And this was study was done by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife and the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. And they only used four predator species for the study, and that was the northern pike minnow, squawfish, the walleye, smallmouth bass, and catfish. Based on these studies, they found that the largest predation or mortality was done by the northern pike minnow or squawfish. Channel catfish also may have also been an important predator on the juvenile. But in their words, not mine, Walleyes and smallmouth bass appear to be much less significant predators on salmonoids. And my personal opinion is the reason walleye are picked on so bad is because if you look at a walleye and open its mouth, it's full of teeth. But if you look at a catfish or smallmouth bass, they don't have the teeth like a walleye. And, and these are Piscavera's fish, which means they're meat eaters. And yes, the walleye do eat a few salmon smoke, steelhead smoke. In the transaction of the American Fishery Society, Volume 134, issued 2005, they found in a study that capsin turned predation on juvenile salmonoids, this was done in 2000-2001 study, 95% mortality to the salmon smoke the silhead smolt was done by the Caspian terns. It wasn't the fish that they thought it was that was doing it. And they found that most of these fish mortality occurred right below the dams where the fish come out and pool up as they're spawning out to the, or going out to the, uh, not spawning, but going out to the ocean. These smolt, that's where they gather up in these pools right below the dams. And that's where these fish concentrated on killing most of the uh, smolt. Let's remember in 2016, I believe it was, the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife removed the regulations on walleye, smallmouth bass, and catfish. This was to increase the harvest of those fish. Do you have any questions at this point, Don? No, I I, uh, I think that, you know, the, uh, the studies on the predatory part are interesting, but uh, go ahead and continue on. I, I will have some questions here shortly. Okay. Um, again, back in 2016, they removed the regulations on the smallmouth bass, walleye, and catfish. And this was done according to my sources, was to allow the government agencies to continue getting mitigation, mitigation monies from Bonneville Dam. Now remember when Bonneville Dam was put in, they were required by law to do mitigation for the effects that their dam had on the Columbia River. So 
again, my sources indicated to me that the removal of the regulations was because Bonneville didn't feel there was enough being done to support the salmon fishery. So, Ted, let's go back for just a second because you were talking earlier uh, about the original introduction of the fish. Now, whether or not it was uh, illegal or legal, uh, doesn't matter to me they're here and that's that's what's happening I've read a few books uh, one of them called the coming of the pond fish and a lot of folks that came here uh, in the 1800s they they got uh, tired of salmon so don't you think that by introducing some of these these other species while I included that people were looking for other other species of fish to eat um, to a certain point, yes. But going back in history again to the 1800s, on the Columbia River, this was the main stable for the tribes. This was, uh, again, back in the you know 1800s. This was the general food source for the tribes on the Columbia River. And we're talking about the Spokane tribe, the Colville, the Sample, the Wenatchee. There was a bunch of them. And back then, to give you an idea, um, you can go online and find these numbers, but, I mean, there was hundreds of thousands of salmon that came up the Columbia River. Not to say that when they put the dam in, that's why the Spokane tribe wanted 300,000 walleye released in the Spokane River above um, the Falls Dam, was to bring back some type of food, some type of recreational fishing in their area. And, uh, but back to your question, Don, I, I think there was some of that involved in this situation. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, I hope it did. Something else I'd like to talk about was, and again, like I said, they can't seem to make up their mind how these walleye got into the system, but they pretty pretty sure that they came from Lake Roosevelt when the Grand Coulee Dam was was uh, put into place. And obviously, as we know, that water flows down through banks and so on and down the Columbia River and, you know, these fish migrate down. And I know there's walleye as far up north as, as uh, Clarkston, Washington. You know, they go up the Snake River. I live right on the Snake River and... and I know those fish go up all those dams right there. Something else oh, yeah. I'd like to talk about, though, we talk about a little bit how the, the history of the walleye, and again, I think the walleye are picked on because of, of the way they look, basically. And all the studies that have been done by the feds, by, by the local state governments, and you talk to some of those people that were involved in those studies, they found that the walleye were not the predaceous fish that everybody thought they were, but because it was already out there that these fish were such predaceous fish, they decided to, I think, go with that and let it go with that. So something interesting that happened because of COVID in 2020, we were taken off the river. There was nobody to be on the river, no recreational fishing whatsoever. And I was made aware of a gentleman that was uh, off the Snyder Creek or Snyder Street, excuse me, boat ramp. He 
he was in a boat and he was fishing for walleye. Doing research on this, we found that um, the gentleman was Jeffrey A. Michael. Jeffrey has mainstream fish research, MFR LLC, out of Richland. He was involved in studying, looking for walleye spawning areas, electric cute or shock the walleye larva because they wanted to kill as many walleye as they could. To this day, now they're using the excuse of save the killer well. These projects are, are going on and are being funded by multiple state agencies. MFR is obtaining an income stream portraying and targeting walleye and bass as primary predators who according to MFR primarily feed on salmon, which is absolutely not true. And just a little side note, Michael uh, McMichael or uh, Jeffrey McMichael is a former WDFW employee. So he's reportedly receiving state agency funding for projects focused on reducing walleye and bass in certain sections of the Columbia River. And I would question some validity of his surveys and whatnot. When he was observed on the river in 2020 and we were told we couldn't be on the river i filed a complaint with the governor's office and he was told to cease and desist at that time and get off the river so a lot of this is going on a lot of sportsmen that fish for walleye a lot of the guys that fish for walleye should be aware of this is going on you hear it all the time from the salmon guys and, and girls that there's so many walleye in the river, they don't know how many is in the river, and we're not going to hurt them by doing this. And I, I've seen since 2016 the effects of no restrictions on these walleye. It, it's pretty sad, really. An idea what's going on and how the walleye got here. Well, I appreciate that information. I'm sure we're going to dive in here a little bit deeper. But, uh you know, one of the one of the things that I have always looked at with interest, I've never done it because, well, I just don't like to go fish for them, but, uh, you know, the, the uh, state government, at least for Oregon, has said we want to remove the, um, the pike minnow or squawfish from the, uh, from the Columbia River. I happened to be fishing one day with a retired uh, biologist, and we were fishing for walleye. And we caught a, a uh, pretty good size uh, northern pike minnow, and uh, he showed me some things about it. Of course, he knew what he was, you know, what he was talking about, and uh, and it's a native species, right? It, it it was here originally, and I am sure that they were put there to to go out and eat those uh, salmon smolts that are slower, that may not be as healthy as the fast salmon smolts, and that's. That's the way the world works. I realize some people may not want to hear about that because it, it is the strongest that survive. But how do you change the perception of the walleye? It, it reminds me a little bit of bass fishing in a way, but how do you change that perception of, of, the, uh, of the walleye? That's a darn good question, and if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be rich. Um, I don't know that you can because of all the negativism that has been put on the walleye species. Uh, but if you look back in the Midwest, let's use that for example, North Dakota, South Dakota, um, all those areas back there, Minnesota, Michigan, the Great Lakes, 
they co- walleye coexist with salmon, German brown trout. Um, they don't have a problem. In fact, they they stock areas with walleye back there. That's that's their state fish. And was it Michigan or Minnesota? One of Minnesota, I guess, is the state fish is walleye. If the game departments here would set aside the politics and realize that the walleye are such a renewable resource and a boost to the economy in our areas. And we have, we've been known to have the world-class walleye fishery right here on the Columbia River. But they won't set the politics aside for that because there's too much money involved in it, in the salmon and the steelhead. And so to answer your question, I don't know that we'll ever be able to. Well, yeah, I understand that. I, I tend to agree with you. So, at least for my audience, and I hope that people pass this along because I don't know that we're going to change the perception, but I think it, 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 it reminds me of the bear that used to say, only you can prevent forest fires. It's only you, as, a, as an angler, as a boater, as somebody who's out there using our natural resources Everybody who's listening needs to protect our natural resources because the because the government takes off the limits of one species or another. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you have to go out there and take all that you can pile into a large bucket or a boat or a live well. It means that you, as a person, should be uh, protecting our natural resources. And maybe that's how we start the change of perception of all fishing out there. Uh, in the Northwest, because I think we have probably one of the most diverse fisheries anywhere in the in the United States, and one of the most fun fishing areas. So that that's my take on it. Right. You know, and there were some other things that I should mention, like the drawdown. They're they're looking at drawing down the uh, Lake Roosevelt, uh, the river Columbia River, to eliminate. Um, a walleye, when they spawn, they don't spawn like bass or crappie or salmon. They don't build reds. They scatter their eggs, and the eggs have a sticky substance on it, and they usually do it in shallow areas. So their thinking is if we draw down the river at that time of, of the spawn, the eggs will die. They won't hatch. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff they're looking at going on. And, and kind of what makes me upset and mad about it is I buy an annual fishing license, and there's I don't know how many millions of dollars in fishing license bought in the state of Washington, plus fishing tackle, and they're not using any of that money to support the walleye. I testified in front of the Fishing Game Commission of Olympia several years ago and tried to get him to raise um, bluegill, perch, those kind of fish for Lake Roosevelt because we had a hatchery right here in Tri-Cities that had a warm water to it. And for those of you who don't know, walleye are not a warm water species. They're a cool water species, but yet Fish and Game puts them under the warm water um, biologist in the warm water species here in Washington. So anyway, there's a lot going on with the walleye. They continue to go on. I encourage you to get involved with one of your local clubs or um, contact your, your legislative people and tell them that, you know, we want to see the walleye continue to be 
a viable renewable resource in our area. Well, absolutely. I think that's a, a great piece of advice. And lastly, if you go out there and you're fishing for walleye, pick yourself a slot limit. The big, the bigger fish that are out there are the breeders. Uh, consider putting those back. Uh, a nice size walleye is 16 to, to 20 inches. They make a great meal. So just, just consider conservation yourself. But again, as Ted said, you know, if you get a chance to testify in front of one of the uh, uh, legislative bodies, you know, take advantage of it. Uh, we all spend a tremendous amount of money, as Ted said, on fishing license. Some, some of us buy fishing license in multiple states. Our boats are expensive. Tackle's expensive. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of money, a lot of money going on there with all types of fishing. So, uh, I appreciate your, your history. I'm sure we're going to get into it a little bit more. But, Ted, let's talk a little bit about your fishing. Now, uh, the way you and I met is you're a tournament walleye fishing fisherman. How did you get into tournament uh, walleye fishing? Um, several years ago, back in 2000, 1999, 2000, 1998, somewhere back in there, I was working for March Marine in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, as a salesperson, and while my working days there, I met a gentleman by the name of Royce Dry, who fished back then the PWT, the uh, Professional Walleye Tour. Royce had a Lund boat that he'd bring into Marks and Service. I got to talking to Royce and told him that I'd always wanted to fish for walleye, so he took me fishing one day, and the rest is history. And Royce and I, go ahead. Well, that is uh, that's kind of neat how you got into it. Now, you've been you've been fishing exclusively walleye since then, or do you fish other species too? Well, strictly walleye, but unfortunately, I do catch other fish while I'm fishing for walleye, such as smallmouth bass, sturgeon, trout, um, salmon. But anyway, what I was going to say, Royce and I fished our first walleye tournaments back in 2000, and I think it was 2004, somewhere back in there. And we actually won the first Washington State Championship tournament, which was on Lake Roosevelt out of two rivers. And uh, I was kind of really hooked then, and Royce taught me a lot about how to handle boats and, and what to use for walleye, and, uh, and I thank the man for that. And uh, I'm continuing to this day fishing tournaments and wall fishing for walleye. I, like you, say that, you know, a good eater fish is that 14 to 20 inch, anything above 23, 24 in my boat goes back in the water. Unless, unless I'm um, fishing a tournament and they go in my live well and then they go to the weigh-in and then after the weigh-in they go back in the water. So, but yeah, it's it's been a good ride and, and I, I've placed several top um, finishes. Uh, I've I've got I don't know I can't even keep counting the the number of top 20 finishes or top 10 finishes in walleye tournaments that I've fished. So. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, tournament because not a lot of folks hear about them. So you you kind of got to be on the uh, on the lookout for one of those tournaments. I know they they hold several out on the uh, Columbia River. Now, one of the things that happens with me, folks can go back and they can listen to a number of podcasts that I've done on this 
on this channel, and I've, I've interviewed some really, really good tournament bass fishermen. And if you notice my questioning of those tournament bass fishermen, uh, getting them to tell us what they use when they're fishing is very difficult. No, none of them really want to give up a lot, although I have had a couple who have given up a few secrets. But one of the things that you and I have been talking about, Ted, is rods, uh, fishing rods. And you have recently come on to something kind of interesting. So tell me more about your latest fishing rod that you're using. I am using, I'm sure a lot of the bass people have heard of Duckett, Boyd Duckett, world-famous bass fisherman. He has a company that produces uh, rods and everything. Well, recently, Duckett Fishing came out with a walleye series of rods. And I was fortunate enough to have some of the prototypes and use the prototypes to try them out and was really impressed with them. I now own several of the Duckett Walleye Series rods, and they are one of my um, sponsors. What I like about the Walleye Series rod, number one is they're telescopic. You get a 7-foot-10 rod, medium action, uh, medium power, and that collapses down to about a 7-foot rod. The nice thing about it, these blanks are so light, and they're, they're carbon fiber. They... Uh, you know, most telescopic rods, if you've ever had one or dealt with one, they're fairly heavy, bulky. These are not. Um, I can't say enough about these rods. They come in a casting rod, 7'10 or 8'6, and they have uh, several spinning rods, which you can get anywhere from 6'3 to 7'. The other nice thing about this, the retail price on them, is not going to break the bank. $139 for any of these rods. Once you have one in your hand and use it, you'll be amazed. And they, you know, don't get me wrong, they make a lot of bass rods too. But for those bass guys out there, I would encourage you to go to Duckett Fishing, that's D-U-C-K-E-T-T, fishing.com, and check out their walleye series rods if you're interested in a walleye rod. I can also give you a phone number to call them direct if you want to order any. These these guys are really great to work with, and that phone number is 256-582-3999. And just let them know you heard this on this podcast, and they'll set you up with the Walleye Series rod. Like I said, um, retail price is $139. You put a nice reel with that and you're on your way to catching some fish. Yeah, I just looked, well, I had the uh, website up before we before we started the recording, but you're right. You know, if you go to the Walleye Series, um, they have rods in there, $139. And, uh, of course, they have a whole list of other things, too. So, you know, jump on the website, take a look. Although, as I was searching Ducket uh, rods, uh, I also found that there are a number of retail outlets, and they're also, of course, on Amazon. But you were telling me that you were going to be getting them into a more local uh, store here in the Northwest, and uh, which store is that that you're working with? Um, it'd be Sportsman's Warehouse. Uh, my understanding is starting probably the first of 2023, you'll, these will start showing up in all the Sportsman's Warehouse in the Northwest. Well, that's great. Uh, that is uh, something that folks can, can go out. It's a 
affordable. You know, if you want to get yourself a uh, a walleye rod, I think uh, I think checking into Ducket would be a would be a good idea. You know, one of the things is we start to wrap this up. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, keep in mind also when you're on Ducket website, they do um, all kinds of um, paddle tail baits, you know, soft baits. They do all kinds of crank baits, all kinds of bass lures. So they're not just a rod company. They do just about everything. So check them out. So as we get ready to wrap this up, what are your favorite fishing stories over the past year or so? Have you got anything that really sticks out in your mind that you go, this was a cool story? You know, <laughs> I, I I don't know how to answer that, Don. I, uh, I only fished two tournaments this year. I took some time off to spend with my wife. We went on vacation back in the Dakotas, Nebraska, Wyoming. So I only fished Banks Lake tournament and placed third place at that tournament. And I fished uh, the Dakota Walleye Classic, which is back in Beulah, North Dakota, on uh, Sakakawea. 190 boats were in that tournament. Unfortunately, my partner and I only placed like 72nd, I believe it was, out of 190 boats. We just couldn't find the right fish. We found fish, lots of fish, but we couldn't find the big ones. So that's all I did this year. Um, we are something I did want to mention. Now, I just got a phone call the other day from a gentleman that fishes the tournaments, and they're looking at bringing in what's called the AIM series, and there will be like three, maybe four tournaments from my understanding, and there will be a guaranteed first place prize somewhere between ten and $15,000, plus there's a lot of contingency money for boat manufacturers and stuff. And I'm kind of excited about them bringing that in. The way that tournament works is you measure the fish, you take a picture of it, and release the fish right there so you're not taking it into a live weigh-in. But uh, that money kind of piques my interest in getting involved in those. Well, absolutely. And I absolutely enjoy hearing when uh, a series is, is changing their mind on putting fish in live wells um, as most folks know that, that are now following the podcast, I do a, a monthly uh, update on uh, kayak uh, fishing, uh, kayak bass fishing Northwest, and that's how they fish all their tournaments. They have a system set up with Tourney X, and they take a picture of it on a on a um, uh, measuring device. They've got a marker on it, and they send it in to the uh, into the cloud, and when they get done, they can go back and look at uh, all their catches. So I'm very excited to hear that uh, that they're not going to be keeping fish. They're going to be letting them go right where they came from so that they, they're they able to stay right in their area. So that is great. I'll keep you informed on the updates on that as it gets closer to becoming reality, I hope. Well, that's great. Any last thoughts that you have? Uh, you mentioned something about it. bass guys. <laughs> I'm not picking on the bass guys, trust me. But fishermen in all are generally reluctant to give out secrets. And I like to let people know as a pro angler, I have no secrets. And if you have any questions, you can reach me through Don. Um, I'll be more than happy to try to answer your questions for you. The other thing I just want to mention is Max Lure is one of my major sponsors, and I use a, 
all their walleye products, and they catch walleye. So be sure and check them out also, maxler.com. And that's it for me, Don. Okay. Well, Ted, this has been great. I know we got a little... Uh little into the into the government uh, talk, but, uh, you know, sometimes we got to shake this up a little bit. So I do appreciate you coming by and uh, and talking walleye with me. You bet. I appreciate you having me. And uh, tight lines and good luck on the water. And, again, I'd like to thank Ted for coming on. Uh, Ted uh, lives out in the Tri-Cities area, so, of course, we did that by phone. But it was a great interview, and I'd like to thank him for that. As Ted said during the interview, if you have any questions about walleye or fishing that Ted could answer, please give me an email at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Talking Bass in PDX. For show ideas, feedback, please contact me at gonefishingpdx at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, this has been Don Clark talking bass in PDX, and I will see you on the backcast. Mm-hmm.